0: Hi, this is Dr. Shannon Wong Lerner, host of The Intersection, where diverse folks converse. Created by and for queer people of color and gender non conforming people, The Intersection is curated side by side with some of the most brilliant and fascinating minds in our community. I create these programs keeping in mind all of the things that aren't said and all of the things that we aren't able to talk about within heterosexual and cisgendered produced shows. In the intersection, you'll find firsthand what the leading voices of our community are thinking, the work they're producing, the concerns they have, and what they hope for us and what they leave behind in their legacy. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, this is Dr. Shannon Wong Lerner, and you're here with The Intersection Diverse Folks Converse. This is episode 12, and the title of our episode is Decentering Black Queer Self Censorship in the Face of Public Shaming, Racial Profiling, and Violence with Queer Women of Color Media and Programs. And I'm just really delighted today to have with me ebony bell speaker trailblazer and editor-in-chief of tag magazine to join us for this episode so hi ebony i'm so glad that you're here
1: hello thank you so much uh, for having me I'm, I'm really excited about this and i love the work that you're doing so thank you for having me
0: thanks yeah i really love the work you're doing too so one of the things that actually that Ebony and I talked about the last time we met was just you know the alignment of Tag Magazine and the Intersection, Diverse Folks Converse, and something I had read in a a, a Forbes article because um, Ebony was named uh, in- Inspiring Black Entrepreneur Changing Our World. She was recently featured in uh, the theme for that. Uh, was that uh, there was there was not the type of representation for queer women of color within the media that she wanted to see and knew needed to be out there. So she created it. And that's kind of what we're trying to do with the intersection too. Uh, So a couple other things about Ebony, just as I'm talking about her, is that she also produces events like Capital Queer Prom, which is giving older LGBTQ community members the opportunity to relive this very like nostalgic, you know, rite of passage uh, event that many of us have missed. So I think that's really wonderful. And also what is very important is um, last year, maybe it was a couple years ago, you started the TAG scholarship fund, which is created specifically for young queer women of color after learning that only 23%, which this is something I didn't know until I read your website, but only 23% of Black LGBTQ college students actually graduate. So I was really surprised about that. You're also a speaker. So you uh, you present at different conferences, festivals, fundraisers. And so, uh, yeah, all of that is so wonderful. <laughs> I, <laughs> You know, we're talking about visibility of Black women of color and, and queer women of color um, and, uh, and, you know, you're doing it. And so that's another reason why I really wanted to bring you on the show.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I, uh, I always say that the best form of activism is visibility. Yes. Uh, so absolutely happy to be here and happy to be visible.
0: Yeah, it's so cool. I, I wanted to share the story of how I actually first found out about Ebony. is, um, And it was actually when I first was starting to come out. So everything was new for me. Things are still pretty new, I guess, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but I was watching NBC and it's actually one of the reasons what what one of the ways that I came to the intersection as an idea for this podcast is I saw Ebony on uh, NBC and it was specifically for Pride and it was the intersection between the events surrounding the George Floyd murder and the protests and Black Lives Matter and making sure that these voices are heard within pride because previously have not been present. And uh, when I saw Ebony appear on screen, uh, she was side by side with uh, Dominique Jackson, who if you don't know who that is, and I'm guessing most of you do, but she plays Electra Abundance Evangelista uh, in the show Pose, which is all about ballroom culture in New York in the eighties and nineties. And so, yeah, seeing Ebony like side by side with Tommy <laughs> Jackson, I think you said that you were, you didn't know she was going to be on the show,
1: right? Oh, I had, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, cause they just kind of pulled us up. You know, we were beforehand, they told some of us uh, cause it was in individual segments. I want to say it was like three or four segments. And I think I was the first segment. And they just, you know, had mentioned that there were other people and we'll be in different segments and this is your time block. I had no, I didn't know if I would be by myself or, or what. Um, So as soon as it pulled up, (laughs) my face was professional, but inside (laughs) I was like, oh my God.
0: (laughs) You're like doing this so your mouth didn't drop or something. (laughs) Exactly. But it
1: came full circle. She uh, came on, um, we started a a monthly web series for and. Um, she came on to help us raise money, which was really cool. So it was cool. a full circle moment for me.
0: Yeah. One thing that I learned from that and it was sort of like a landmark moment for me as a queer woman of color is that I had actually never thought of intersectionality in the way that you spoke about on that show. And so, you know, talking about it as something that was fundamental to our culture and to our survival and our visibility and the youth, right? Knowing that 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 it wasn't all just this sort of like white cisgender uh, representation of queerness, but that we needed to be included and it and our survival depends upon it. I actually had always thought of intersectionality as uh, as white people or white heterosexual people sort of allowing me to be more than one thing. I didn't mm. realize that it was like this, you know, taking back of the space right that we're already in uh and so it was sort of like a light bulb moment for me and uh i was so glad that i just saw that show i just happened to come upon it
1: yeah and i'm excited that i got to be a part of it it was a really great conversation uh, they called it pride and protest which yes I remember. you know as somebody who is in the media and everything i was like oh i love that name uh for the segment but it was it was great and everyone was fantastic and the feedback they gave from um, they had, um, uh, trans women of color, trans men, color yes. queer women yes, uh, of color. And I, I just love the representation and everything that people, you know, talked about. And there is that intersection, uh, especially with the black lives matter.
0: Yes. And, uh, I- and
1: that was a little bit of what I spoke about Is kind of the, okay, where do queer black lives, you know, uh, because we say black lives matter, but then we still have trans women of color. Uh, you know, being assaulted, murdered, Yes. Uh, sometimes at the hands of our own community. Uh, and so it's kind of like, okay, we have to start saying that all Black lives matter. Yes. Uh, which is unfortunate that we even have to say that. Uh, but here we are. All right. Yes. Uh, so I think it was definitely very important. It's, uh, and like you said, to be visible and hoping that somebody saw that. I mean, look at you you know, you saw that and and you started to do some different things based off of that. So that just makes me really excited uh, that someone got something from that.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one thing that struck me about that show was I had never seen these things placed side by side, even though it was so obviously missing after I saw the show and it like, filled something in for me that needed to be filled in, in terms of my own consciousness, in terms of like my awareness of now the public consciousness, the fact that it was on mainstream media. And, you know, I think it's these moments that is, you know, queer people of color, we really need to see that in order to sort of enable our own agency to realize like, oh, I do have voice. I do have visibility. I am able to do this, right? And then right. it has a ripple effect and hopefully and it just keeps going. So it's really exciting. Um, One of the reasons why Ebony and I came on, and and if you don't know this about the intersection, but I create these shows side-by-side with the guests that come on uh, the show, is we wanted to talk about as much as, you know, this is starting to happen within media, which is causing this ripple effect in society and, and mainstream culture that these intersections do exist and need to be brought to the forefront there's still horrible things happening and there's still like so much more work that needs to be done in order to fill in all the time that it hasn't happened and all the time that it's still not happening, right? And so something that uh, Ebony brought to me was an incident that happened of June 15th of this year, 2021, of the extreme brutality that a young Black queer woman, Keisha Young, experienced when she went into Nellie's Sports Bar. in It's in D.C., right? It's where you are. Yep,
1: it's in Washington, D.C., it's, It downtown. is in Washington,
0: mm-hmm. D.C. Uh, so the incident was that she was mistaken for someone else for an accusation that was pretty minor. So the accusation was that there was a, a young Black woman with, a, I guess, maybe the hair she had, I'm not sure what the what happened, who had brought alcohol into the bar, which is pretty small. And that was something that Ebony and I were talking about right before.
1: Right. We well, it was a, a, uh, a water bottle.
0: it was a water. Okay.
1: <laughs> that yeah.
0: makes it even worse. Right.
1: Cause yeah, technically you're not allowed to even bring that in technically. Okay. As, yeah.
0: And so I just, and Ebony had seen it before. I just watched the video right before this podcast and I, I, I get, I have my own triggering from violence, but I wanted to see it cause I want to know what happened. And it was really disturbing. Um, it was disturbing because of what happened to Keisha Young, but it was also disturbing, as I told Ebony, the way that people were responding around her because you've, you know, we've heard of different incidents. Like in LA last year, there was a, 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 a trans black woman who was beaten on the street and assaulted and people were just like driving by, anything, right? Yeah. Even police officers, nothing was happening. And I kind of had that, Same, it was that same basically like assault. She gets assaulted by the security guard, then she gets assaulted again by these people who don't care, and then assaulted again in a way by now we have to that now she has to like watch that again, and we're watching it again and seeing that nothing happened, right? Right, um, and so I'm really curious about you know what your response was, why you brought this to the intersection, why you thought it was really important to talk about as a starting point for our episode?
1: Uh, Well, I think it's just current, uh, for one, uh, and it's part of my community, and just another example of how uh, Black women are treated, uh, for sure, and I say Black women. Uh, yes. because that's what it is first. Yes. Whether she's, uh, I think she's queer. Uh, okay. I don't want to, I don't want to hundred percent assume. I don't think it's, it's not very clear to me. Sure. Um, but that's just how black women in this country are, are, uh, are treated. Um, Malcolm X said, you know, the most disrespected person in this country are black women. Uh, and in 2021, that still is the exact Uh, you know, exact same thing, unfortunately. So I think because it's current, but I also think it's something that we need to be aware of because this happened within the LGBTQ community. Definitely. A lot of times when we think of like, Uh, this type of violence we think it more in like a mainstream and uh, you know I have friends or family around me that are like what you guys you know don't all get along it's not like kumbaya because you all are you know LGBTQ I'm like no because people bring their own experiences with yes there can still be racist LGBTQ people right there can still be misogynistic I mean there are self-hating LGBTQ people. Right. Uh, so I think that's part of it too, is that this happened within our own community. Nellie's is a gay sports bar, um, and seemingly, uh, welcoming to, to everyone for the most part. But yeah, when I first saw the video, I, you know, like you was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And unfortunately I couldn't believe it. Right. Yes. Um, To see this young lady who, it doesn't even matter if she did it or not, but we already know she did it. Yes. Uh, But to see her literally being thrown, uh, damn near flipped. Yes. On the stairs and then dragged by her hair. And
0: screaming for help and people laughing and making a joke, making a joke of it.
1: Right. And the only people who had her back were her friends that all were, were black. Uh, and the the people I think you're referring to were were white gay men. Yes, uh, that were like you know a lot of times they kind of look at us like we're a show, you yes. know, like just you know oh look at these clowns or whatever, haha. They just expected of us, um, and that's the moment she could have used some allies, right? Of course, uh, and somebody other than her friends to be like this is not right, not in our establishment. But I think it just shows so much complicity uh, within our community for sure. And I, you know, I want to also make sure that I say that um, there was, there are two videos that came out. Uh, The first one that I saw was just right to her being basically uh, dragged down the steps and asking for help. Uh, The second one, you saw that they were trying to get her out and she was kind of hitting and pushing because she's like, what did I do? Leave me alone because it wasn't her. Uh, And so I need to make sure I say that. Because I don't want to be that person that's like, yeah, we don't know the full story. But I I hope that Nellie's does release, they do release the video. I think we all deserve to see what happens. And the fact that I don't, that they haven't, I feel like we already know exactly what happened. Sure. You know, during that, during that night. And again, I can't say it enough. Even if she didn't, she didn't deserve, no. she didn't deserve that disrespect. And I think it's a little bit of, um, because the, the security guard, you know, I think some people automatically think, you know, oh, well, it was a a black person. So it's, you know, it's not racist. It's not this or whatever, but it was a black straight male. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think there is a component of misogyny as well. Like how, how men might treat women, not all of course, but how some men will treat women. And again, it goes back to black women being the most disrespected. Right. And I think even within our own culture, we see that happen because it's become so normalized to treat women that way. But especially Black women, um, you know, the I don't know the per- percentage, but I mean, Black women are more likely to you know get assaulted or experience sexual assault or things like that. Um, so I think people need to realize that just because this gentleman was Black, one, he worked for a white-owned business, yes. which also tells me what why did he think that this was appropriate has he done this before why was this young lady so disposable to him sometimes it's not necessarily about the skin as much it is the power sure you know and and it's also the,
0: the the establishment right um like exactly the, 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 the environment the system i i actually was flash well i think thinking of three things someone recently told me that uh, cause she has ADHD and she would ask three different questions. And I was like, Oh, I do that. I, was like, I didn't realize that was an AD. So I have three things that came up while you were talking. One sure. was I was remembering being on an airplane and there was an African American passenger next to me who had uh, basically come on the plane drunk and then had drank. Online. So he fell asleep. He fell asleep. And then a white uh, uh, flight attendant told a black male flight attendant hi, we, we have a friend. It was like a code. We have a friend in, you know, this seat, this number Will you, we need you to take care of it. He was the only black person who was an attendant, right? And the guy was just sleeping. Well, he, no, he was sleeping. They were trying to land and he had to leave. Like we all had to leave. So he called him, he called this, he called the only, only other black person who was working and made him take care of it. Right. Because it was weird. It, it something felt really weird about. us. like, why can't you take care of it? What's happening here? That's
1: that's and that it doesn't was, it surprise me.
0: On what you were talking about, right? It's like it doesn't mean it's not racist. It doesn't mean it's not sexist or intersectionally racist. It just means that you know, I feel like we get pulled in to do this these kinds of things, and it's the policies aren't right, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, and none of that surprised me what you just, what you said, it's kind of like, oh, this is your people, you know, yeah. you guys know how to talk to each other or it's, oh, we don't want to look racist or we don't want to get in trouble, but it's like the same way you would handle anybody else should be sure. the exact same way. Sure. It Nobody was is going to think you're racist because you have to deal with how, how many videos have we seen now of drunk passengers, you know, passengers. Yeah you know, and act and a fool. Nobody should do that. I don't care yeah. what skin color you are, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. You know it, what was, I
0: mean? it was strange. Uh, and I hadn't thought of it in that context until you said that the other thing yeah. I wanted to bring up was this idea of rainbow washing, because this happened right in the middle of pride. And even like your relatives or, you know, your friends saying things like we're all peaceful and kumbaya because we're gay and it's pride or so. I don't know. But, you know, there is sort of like, this sparkly thing that happens for the mainstream during Pride, and we do wanna celebrate who we are, but behind it, there's still all the mess and there's still all the systemic issues that always existed before, and one does not cancel out the other.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, people are like, oh, this happened during Gay Pride. I mean, it could have happened any <laughs> time, sure. you know what I mean? If it's embedded you know, uh, in the system, in the society, within the establishment, then we're going to get that anytime. But it is super unfortunate that it happened in a, um, a time that we were su- supposed to celebrate our community and supposed to celebrate unity. But again, I just go back and say that it just, it shows us, you know, that there are these different, different intersections and um, not all of our parts are accepted.
0: Yeah, I, I'm really curious about like, how does Tag Magazine, uh, work with the balance of these things, right? Because obviously it's a magazine and there's entertainment involved, you know, just like in the intersection, there's an entertaining aspect of it. Uh, but then you're bringing also very real issues to the forefront and you're bringing interviews with people who need to tell those stories that aren't typically visible in the media. How do you, How do you balance these things between an event like what happened with Keisha Young and then like the sparkly celebratory aspects of, of, of
1: pride. Right. Well, I always feel like it's important um, to one, we can talk about serious issues, but we should also celebrate the joy that is within our community as well. Right. So when I started tag magazine um, nine years ago, I did it because I wasn't seeing queer women, just queer women in general, don't care what race you are. Just queer women in general represented in, at the time when we were more local in our local LGBTQ media and news, right? Um, It was mainly white gay men. And so wasn't seeing queer women and which meant I wasn't seeing queer women of color or trans women uh, as well and trans men. And so I was like, our stories are important too, you know what I mean? I would love for some young LGBTQ person to pick up tags Uh, you know, 20 years down the road and and see the people that have come before them um, and see some of the stories and things that were happening. Uh, But I think it's important for us to be on top of these issues. So, of course, we have arts and entertainment. You know, we're profiling some great people. And as a a Black queer woman running a queer women's magazine, that's for the whole community, um, of course, I'm very intentional about making sure that we are telling stories of people of color as well, because I'm one, right? And I wanna be able, I don't mind reading about other people, but I wanna also turn the page and see people who look like me as well. Um, During the pandemic, uh, to answer your question, I think this is a really um, right on point with what happened. During the pandemic, like most businesses, we were like, OMG, right? Like, what are we gonna do? How do we pivot? Are we even gonna last, right? So we skipped our first issue for the first time ever, just to kind of save money. And it also, it wasn't even the saving money as much. It was, we all were on lockdown and there was no pride. So why would we put out a pride issue, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I thought, okay, maybe we'll just do the same thing for the next month, save a little bit of money. I don't know, right? And then boom, all these things started happening, right? George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, we saw marches. We've seen protests like we've never seen before. Um, you know, obviously there have been amazing protests in our, in our history, but when I say like, we never seen before, like to see all people, you know, step up, you know, it wasn't just civil rights movement with sprinkle of white folks, you know what I yes. mean?
0: It's
1: amazing to see. So it's like, okay, we want to, we want to be a part of this conversation. How do we address it? Because I didn't feel right just skipping a couple months and ignoring the issues. Uh, of course we could, you know, continue to tell stories online, but for those who don't know, we're also in print. Yes. So, um, we were like, okay, how do we do something that speaks to what's going on? And so just like pride and protest conversation, uh, we did a all black lives matter issue. So cool. Where the feature, um, that was written by Sandra Morris, uh, that's exactly what she talked about is how do queer black people show up in this black lives matter movement Um, and in ways that we might be silenced, but also in ways how we have been a part of the movement. Right. I think the three organizers of black lives matter, I think two of them are queer. Oh, that's great. I didn't know Um, that. And so it just shows like how we can, we always step up. Trans women of color have been stepping up Mm -hmm. for, for, LGBTQ people and black people for the longest time, but still somehow we get left out of the conversation. Right. And when I say we, I mean, queer, uh, queer, uh, black people and trans, um, black folks as well. So that was a great way for us to address it. Um, but still also bring in, you know, within the issue, of course, joyful things. Um, you know, we also talked about self care, uh, as a black queer person. So how do we, How do we make sure that we address things that I think are going on that are important, um, but also tailor it to our audience? Because that's another thing. I never want to do something just to do it and it doesn't make sense for LGBTQ women. You know what I mean? But I think that's a great example of how we kind of handle things um, like that and just being intentional.
0: You're about midway through the intersection Diverse Folks Converse podcast. I wanted to take a moment to let you know why I created The Intersection. It was because I didn't see a lot of representation of the most brilliant and creative minds in our communities. All I saw were misrepresentations in popular culture and the media, so I wanted to provide a free and accessible outlet for us all to enrich our lives, and to provide meaning for the things that we experience every single day. None of us get paid for the intersection, and this is not an income-generating endeavor for any of us. We do this because we want to add to our culture and we want to add to your lives. So we just ask that you participate as well and contribute to us through subscribing to our channel and and leaving reviews and telling your friends and telling the community put it up on web boards share it in social media tell people about us but really subscribing adding the reviews to Dr. Shannon Wong Learner's YouTube channel which houses the intersection to the intersection on Apple Podcasts or Spotify is really the best way to let other people know about us and to help us increase our visibility so we can increase yours. Thank you so much. And you can now return to the show and thank you for listening. And I think something you just said is, is really good to think about for the the next thing that I would like to discuss that has to do with the title. And it's this idea of what is taken on internally by uh, queer people of color, by black queer people, uh, by black queer women, thinking about uh, the last episode I did was doc- with Dr. Kenneth Bryant Jr. And he, we talked a lot about film and a film series he does where he focuses on diverse representation. Mm. And we talked about Lil Nas and X, and we talked to, and, and like all of the things that he's doing within, uh, you know, rap culture and music and, and his videos. And we also talked about this idea, which I thought was really interesting. Um, a filmmaker named Marlon Riggs, who did a lot of independent film in the 80s and 90s, he had talked about something about Black viewers' internalized imagination, and especially Black queer viewers' internalized imagination. So this idea, even just what we saw with the, the Keisha Young video, right? And the response um, is that I feel like, um, Black, black bodies, black queer people within like film or, you know, so on. We there's, there's a sense of a kind of criminalization or there's a very poor representation that we've seen in med- media and film. It's been very um, intentionally or purposeful. Some people say subconscious, but I feel like it's pretty explicitly racist. And so I, I'm really curious about that. This part of Of the theme of what we're talking about is that there is a, um, the the main thing you had said you wanted to talk about was this Black queer self censorship. And it seems like what Tag Magazine is trying to do is really trying to, you know, it might happen little by little, but reverse that, right? To where, um, you know, Black queer people feel like they can't speak freely, they can't act freely, because if they do, they're fearful like something like what happened with Keisha Young will happen. She didn't even do anything, right? Uh, and so I'm really curious about that in terms of, you know, the other parts of the, the, the title, you know, public shaming, racial profiling, violence, all of these things are kind of stacked up against Black queer people who badly, we need that expression. We need that presence, that visibility. How does TAG and sort of some of the other projects you do, and you can talk about any of them uh, attempt to reverse that?
1: So that's probably easy. And and then I want to jump into a little bit more of that. Um, so tag is meant to uplift our voices period, right? A lot of times our voices, um, are minimized. Yes. And so the whole purpose of tag existing is to tell our stories, uh, and uplift voices of queer women. And obviously within queer women are queer women of color, right? Uh, So that's the easy part, right? When I think about um, censorship, and I want to make sure this is very clear, I'm not saying all Black people, right? There are some amazing people that are out about, I don't care what you think of me, but I think there are little things that, as Black people, we have internalized. Uh, So let's start with just that first. Okay. Keep in mind, we are, we're Black, we're gay, Uh, and for me, I'm a woman, right. So it's all these things and think about the things that are taught to young black people. Think about the things that are taught to young LGBT people. Think about the things that are taught to women. All of these people in some way have censorship, Mm -hmm. uh, or they're told to act a certain way. Right. So, For example, let's just start with the basics, right? Let's the women, right? I'm a black queer woman. Um, I can't remember the woman that is on, she's a poet. uh, She's on one of Beyonce's songs and she completely nails it. And she talks about how women are, uh, we're naturally taught, girls, not even women, girls are naturally taught to, um, you know, compete and how marriage is the end goal. And then, you know, boys are taught that, you know, competing is healthy and it's good for you and, uh, you know, go out there and make money and, you know, do all of this or whatever. Right. Yeah. So we already have that internalized, right. As women, then as young black people, um, our parents have to teach us just a little bit different. I remember. You know, being told, you know, don't embarrass us in front of these, you know, white people don't say this, you know what I mean? When you see cops, this is what you do. Mm -hmm. It's different conversations our parents have than with our white counterparts. Sure. Period. It's just different. And things that we were taught to do in certain spaces or do around white people, things like that, you know what I mean? So there is some sort of censorship there. um, And it's understandable you know, why our parents taught us that our parents, you know, I feel like sometimes, you know, black parents could, um, you know, be a little hard on us and not in a bad way, not in like a hitting us or anything like that, but like preparing us Yeah. because they know, you know what I mean? What we're going to go through. I remember when I came out and my mom, you know, one of the things later on, she was just like, I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to like suffer in life. You know, you're already black and you know, now this, and she didn't, she wasn't coming from a Uh, a place of, you know, um, being hateful. Like that was just a place of love and just being concerned. Uh, and then of course there's LGBTQ people, right now we see a lot of young people coming out. I'm 39, right. Mm -hmm. I didn't have people on TV when I was growing up. Um, and we, I saw a meme not too long ago and it talked about how as LGBTQ people, we didn't really get that, like growing up you know, experience and being able to hook up, right, with mm-hmm. with other young kids and do this. Like we were suppressing who we sure. were to fit in, and um, it's not until like later it, it's like we get that. You know what I mean? I feel like in my twenties I was like, we. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just because like I I didn't get to experience this, like yeah. all my friends having boyfriends in high school and doing all this and whatever, like. I wasn't able to be myself. I was suppressing who I was. I was trying so hard. You know, I remember there was a, um, uh, one of my good friends, uh, Marcus, he's, he was a black cheerleader, uh, at my school and he didn't even come out. Yeah. It was like super obvious, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I can say this cause I'm friends with him, but even he didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that just, I'm saying all of this because I think it's, It depends on where we are and exactly what we're holding back, right? So, uh, for example, Black people have this awful stereotype that we, like, don't tip, Mm, right?
0: I didn't know that.
1: Oh, it's awful. So I know a lot of us will overtip just because we don't want want that, you know, stereotype or we want to make sure we don't look like that stereotype. Like, we shouldn't have to do that, right? Uh, I think, for example, uh, with along the lines of the tipping, when we are waiting at a bar in a queer bar, we will wait and wait Mm -hmm. for that bartender to serve us. And a lot of times it's because of who we who we are. And I think that stereotype is a gross stereotype. They also think the same thing about lesbians within the LGBTQ entertainment and bar space as well. Uh, So imagine being a black lesbian. It's like, nope, you're not going to do anything at all. You're not going to take care of us. You know, I shouldn't have to waive like a $20 bill for you to, for you to come over. Sure, You know what I mean? Uh, And then when you talk about kind of suppressing, right? We also don't want to be that angry black person. Sure. You get what I'm saying? Which could
0: happen really easily, right? It's like-
1: And it it could, and it's okay if it does. Sure. Because we have every right to be like, you should have, you should have done this. I just watched five people that came after me, get their drinks or whatever the case might be. So I don't want to make it seem again, like, you know, we have to do that. Right. Yes. But some of us just do because we don't want to cause a scene. We don't want to look like an angry person. You know what I mean? And I think it's a lot of that is just us trying to not be the stereotypes that were created for us, you know, like, yes, Unfortunately, when one black person does something, it's all yeah. of us. It's a generalization. It doesn't matter how many white men continue to do mass murders, continue to do mass murders. You never hear anybody say anything about, man, you know, white men, they be doing, you know, doing this or doing that, but you'll hear, oh, black people are in gangs or all this stupid stuff. You know what I mean? We
0: actually, uh, Lily Jung, in a previous episode, we had talked about cancel culture and we talked about that difference in representation and perspective and stereotypes and how, you know, when people of color do something really well, they're under like a microscope <laughs> like, oh, did they really do that? Oh, but they did these things. This is how they got there, right? And then compared to like, you know, they had brought up Louis C.K. and all these horrible things that he had done. And like, no one ever points a finger at, at highly visible, you know, white public figures when they actually do something bad, right? And the discrepancy of that. I'm, yeah. um, I'm really curious about, you know, your rise in visibility and tag as well. Because I had read in the Forbes magazine, that was a few years ago, that the subscribership has gone up like, you know, monumentally. And and also your visibility has changed. What has that been like for you to go to go from a place of, of being like this representation doesn't exist to being, I am at the forefront, at least in my capacity and within tag, you know, I don't know of any other publications like tag. Uh, but I am now at the forefront of this representation, this visibility. How, how has that journey been like for you?
1: Man, this is a, it's a, re- this is a really great question. You know, um, I started, uh, let me think, trying to figure out who I was. Yes. I, it took me, it took me a long time. I think uh, I think it doesn't matter who, how we identify. I think a lot of people can probably relate to trying to just figure out who you are, but especially queer people, right? Um, I'm considered like a masculine and center woman, right? So for me, I also went through this phase of dresses, right, for a little bit, sure. then, oh, she's a tomboy. Oh, okay, sure. she's bi. Oh, okay, she's fully gay, right? Yes. And slowly cutting off my hair and whatever, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not saying that's all of that represents you, but I feel like it took me a while to start getting comfortable with who I am. So I think my journey <laughs> to this type of visibility, it took me a while. Uh, and that's because I had to explore who I am and getting comfortable within my own body, which a lot of people can uh you know, probably have experienced in some form, but especially LGBTQ people. Um, I'm what, you know, our community calls a masculine center woman. And I didn't always look like this. Uh, And because I don't necessarily think I would have felt this comfortable 15, 20 years ago, um, the way that I am now. I knew that, I think inside me, it was always there, but I think I was trying to also fit right? Yes. Society's norms would still try to be myself. And really that took a while, even, you know, before TAG and um, I did some marketing and stuff within the LGBTQ community and events and things like that. Uh, You know, I don't even think even then I was fully planted with who I am and who I want to be. And I would say that TAG has been an amazing part of that journey for me. I think um, you know, as I'm actually talking to you, this is the first time that it's like really hitting me that I think the magazine allowed me to really show, show up a hundred percent with who yes. I am and who I want to be, you know? So anyway, you just, that was like an aha moment, uh, as Oprah likes to say uh, <laughs> for me right now. So I'm just like sitting in that. Uh, but I think tag had a big part of that, right? And I think I've always been visible in some way, you know, with doing events or, you know, capital pride, which is a pride celebration here in DC, all of those things. Right. But I'm so comfortable with who I am right now. Like, you know how they say no F's given, like I'm really yes. in that space. You know, I was thinking about, um, how, uh, I have about at least 10 speaking engagements this month, That's awesome. at least. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, someone who looks like me is going to be in front of hundreds, thousands of people, you know, and I'm absolutely comfortable on that stage. Like, I don't care who, how, how I look or any of that, like you're going to pay attention because this information is important and my delivery is important, right? I think even maybe 10 years ago, if you put me in that space right now, anyone who knows me, I can talk to anybody, right? Yeah. But I'm not quite sure I would have felt as confident being on that stage and being like, thinking, oh, you know, how are they looking at me? Or is somebody laughing or making, you know, like ridiculous things like that. So my whole point to answer your question is, um, it's taken me a long time to get there. Um, And I'm grateful for the journey. I really am grateful for it. Uh, And it's been a fun uh, and educational ride for me to, you know, for people to notice the things that I'm doing. I think sometimes that still really surprises me Yes. Um, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I saw you on this or whatever. And I'm like, you know, that's amazing. That's, that's so cool. Um, but I'm in the place now where I know how important my voice is. That's wonderful. That's the place where, where I met. And I think it took me a while to really get it. Even the beginning of tech. You know what I mean? Somebody sure. said to me um, a long time ago, they were like, you're the brand. Because I, you know, I have this tendency. To Did be you really expect humble.
0: that? Did you expect that to happen?
1: No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't because I also was trying for that not to happen. Like I've I had this thing, like I wanted to be about tag. I never wanted to be about me. Like I genuinely sure. wanted to be about tag in the community. But
0: you kind of are tag. I mean, not all right. of it, but you right. are created it, right? And you are tag.
1: Exactly. And somebody had to like beat that into my head. Um, and they are like, you're a brand too, right? And when I really got that is when I think, I started becoming more visible and making sure that my voice is heard uh, and my visibility uh, happened because of my voice, right? Yes. So the more I, I speak and not just speaking, like speaking engagements, just the more that I show up and talk and speak, that's when the visibility just continues. And it's just been a wild, it's been a wild ride, but I'm super grateful. Like I, I know what I'm doing now is what I meant to do. And that's such a gratifying feeling for me. Um, I
0: think that's a great, like, like foundation for the brand, right? For a Tag, but also for you. And then for all the people, you know, like me a year ago and all the other people who saw that program is, I totally relate with your story about like having there be like sort of a disconnection or a, a, a gradual coming to who I am. Right, as, as a woman of color, as a queer woman of color. And the idea that, that you're speaking in front of all these people and you have such visibility and that's who you are, right? It's not just surface, like I speak well and on the surface, I seem a certain way. <laughs> it's, it's inside and out. There's something holistic and whole person happening. And I, I think that is probably also partly why what you said and the way you showed up that one day on that show Uh, resonated with me um I wonder do you ever get feedback like that from people like telling telling you that something in tag or the way that you showed up or the way you said something created like you said Oprah the aha moment yeah
1: totally (laughs) (laughs) um I would even say some of that has saved me uh not necessarily now, but so when we get messages from people, like I picked a magazine, I read it all the way through in the Metro or yes. thank you, you know, the messages we got, I wanted, I have no problem saying this. I think it was last week uh, because I've, I can't remember. I was putting together something and I went back to all the messages received of support last year. And I just cry because I'm like, yeah. to hear that this is so important to people, is just amazing to me. Uh, So I think when I say it saved me, I think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate that sometimes you feel like you're just so in it, you know, and you're by yourself sometimes, you know, uh, and then you get these messages and you're like, this is why I'm doing it, you know, because sometimes you want to give up or, you know, am I doing the right thing or whatever. And these messages of people reaching out to you, you're like, okay, I'm on the right path. I was meant to do, to do this. I'm doing the right thing because I'm doing it for a community. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's just a natural progression from there. Uh, so some of those messages have absolutely saved me and, and, and got me back, uh, on track to where I need to be. Um, and yeah, it happens. Like people reach out. I, um, after my keynotes, you know, I give my contact information and people yeah. reach out and be like, this was, you know, great. And, and uh, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think about it? And I love that. I love it. Because I've again, I feel like um, I am doing my part for a better society, you know, and I, I can't do it on my own, but I'm doing the best that I can. You know what I mean? I do. Um,
0: I- yeah. I'm curious about the future of TAG, and I want you to think and like dream really big. Is <laughs> what you know and the future of what of of your presence and your public profile. I'm I'm really curious about you know kind of if sky was the limit, skies were the limit. What what do you hope would be the most powerful impact uh, for the future of TAG and for the future of the other work you're doing as a speaker a solo. Yeah, that-
1: This is a great question because, I mean, I feel like you are asking me this at a time that I've literally started thinking about this. So this is perfect. Um, Sky's the limit. I would say we continue to really grow tag and be smart about it and be intentional about it and make sure that we still are speaking to our community. But I want to grow it so much that I can maybe even have somebody come in, bring in a, a young person, young person of color, uh, to help the magazine grow more. And I can take a step back sure, and I can do my journey of, of speaking, um, that I'm super also, you know, I'm very passionate about, uh, sky's the limit. Like I'm the next Oprah. I yeah. mean, that's, that's <laughs> it. I mean, that's, you know, in some ways that, that is the goal. Like i and I'm being silly, but you know, um, as much as like, I'm overwhelmed <laughs> by this month, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And so, I mean, I
0: could see that happening. I don't think it's silly. I think it's, it feels good. I think it's great to hear it, you know? Yeah,
1: and, absolutely. and I'm going to keep putting it out there. If yeah. you guys are listening to this, I believe in manifestation. Like I believe yes. in it. I've seen it happen. Um, I know we're like all over the place here, but I need to make sure that I say it because it's so real. And so when I talk to people like you, just anybody, but with you, anyone, I say the same thing that I put it out there. Um, I joke, it's actually in my intro <laughs> and it says if Oprah and Ellen were to have a baby, it would be <laughs> a <Benny Bell. laughs>
0: I love that.
1: <laughs> like, yes, that's it. That's exactly what I want. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's what I would want. I'd, I'd love to be able to have other young queer women help with tag yes. on a larger level um, and have me go out and, uh, speak more.
0: Yeah. And,
1: you know, I remember, um, I went to, I don't know if you, uh, know or heard about it, but Oprah, God, I don't even know how long ago it's been now, maybe like seven years ago, mm-hmm. uh, she did this tour, uh, with other speakers uh, so no, it was I, like didn't, I didn't know about Stand and some other people unfortunately I can't remember their names and it was at the uh, here in DC at the Capital One Arena so it's like a concert space right wow. or where the games are and I remember um, a friend of mine so grateful invited me she had an extra ticket uh, and I remember looking at her and I was like that's going to be me someday yeah that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be me like I'm as I'm watching these people I'm like that's going to be I'm going to be on Oprah's tour. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, So yeah, that's what I would love to see is just be able to be a voice for people. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a song uh, by beyond this, like second time I'm bringing up Beyonce. No, I Um, love
0: Beyonce. I wrote, that was my, one of my first publications was about Beyonce. Okay. Well, perfect. (laughs) I'm talking, I'm
1: talking to the right person then, but she has this beautiful song called I was here Mm -hmm. and it, touches me every single time because like, that's, that's it. That's what I want. I want to be able to leave a mark. And that would probably be my ultimate goal. Do you
0: feel like, uh, when you appear in public and, or you work on a story within tag or, you know, whether you bring it to your team or you do it yourself, that you're able to talk about difficult or even painful situations that you've been through in a way that, That heals it, and perhaps is also healing it for other, uh, you know, black queer women, or 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 queer women of color, or other queer women.
1: Yeah, I, I, this is a really great question. Um, so it's very easy for me to uh, to share experiences uh, with me, uh, but also other people's experiences too. Like I literally take tangible things from other communities. So like a, a, a young black. uh, uh, student and sharing something about what she's experienced as being a black uh, student at a certain school. Right. Um, and I think it's important to get those messages out there to wake people up so they know that these things are happening. And then as far as a healing point personally, um, there's one story I definitely talk about with being pulled over uh, by the police. And Mm. I think it's healing to have people listen with empathy and that's the key. That's that's the section I talk about. Is like really listening with empathy, right? Um, and after I discuss that, I tell the story. And I think the healing part is to is the captivation of the audience and them really listening and seeing. Wow, this is actually happening. This happened to somebody that I'm looking at, mm. that I'm you know that I'm listening to. Uh, and so I think there's healing just in that. I think that's what it comes from. Is that the story is important. people are listening to it yeah uh and if i if that if impacts just one out of the 1200 people i'm okay with that you know what i mean that's healing that's healing to me for sure uh and i think it's powerful i think anybody anytime we can listen to people especially black and brown folks and black queer folks that is the best thing that you can do as an ally, as a friend, right? Mm-hmm. As an associate, and validate them. That's a big yes. thing I also talk about when I go out, is we have to stop invalidating people's stories because it's something we're uncomfortable with uh, or we don't believe it, right? Yeah. And I always say if you don't believe what you're seeing on the news, like just ask the people around you, get mm-hmm. the information, you know, firsthand. But we have to stop doing that. I promise you, there are no I don't know, Black people walking around, you know, being like, oh, I hope I get pulled over today and, you sure. know, and get shot. Right. There's no LGBTQ person walking around, like walking down the street, like, oh, hope I experience a hate crime today. Like people don't just make these things up. So we have to get out of the space of invalidating Black and Brown people and queer people. Um, and that might be part of that self-censorship,
0: right? Like, I yeah, had exactly. something, I had something happen to me recently with a hairdresser and she was awful to me. And I was like, why is this happening? And she was sent to, uh, I was referred to her cause the person was like, oh, this is another queer woman. You're going to get along great. Well, guess what? We did not. And I, the treatment was strange. And the only thing I could think of was, you know, I'm a queer woman of color. How many queer women of color does she have in her chair? And why is she talking to me like this? It was very weird, but, uh, you know, how many times have queer women of color, women of color, you know, black queer women had an experience like that, kept it inside, blamed themselves. And because that's part of what that the self-censorship happens, right? If you, if everyone around you is saying you're crazy, that didn't happen like that. Oh, you must've misunderstood. And they're putting the person who has treated you poorly before you, you're not going to want to say anything. You're going to question yourself, right? It's very, it's it's, it's the classic textbook abusive, you know, abuse story when someone is abused by their partner, that's, that, this is what happens, it's gaslighting.
1: It's gaslighting, yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's that person that's first cen- uh, censoring you, just to make sure that we make that very clear. It's that person, when you invalidate, you don't believe people, that's them censoring you, yes. uh, right? And as a person, you have to figure out how you take that. Right. And unfortunately, yeah, there are some people that are just like, you know what? I'm not even going to share this story anymore. Like it doesn't even matter. Nobody's going to believe me. And then there's other people that are like, I'm going to just keep talking about it. You know what I mean? Uh, And it just depends. And I, I, I hope more and more queer people of color um, and black women continue to speak up. And I think we are absolutely seeing a whole different time now where definitely. Where you know um, millennials, you know, like me, or even the young folks, we're like, we don't have time for this anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? We are tired of you know people not listening. We are tired, you know. And so I think you are seeing more Black women stepping up, especially Black queer women. Yes. I mean, LGBTQ Black folks have been at the forefront of almost everything. It's like you don't want to believe us, but you're okay with taking our uh the way we talk, right? Yes, Queen yes. and all of that. That's that's black. Dr. Amen. Kenneth
0: was talking about that. How
1: it uh, yeah, that's you black gay Black yeah, and, and
0: black trans culture, right? How tra- a lot of sorry. that and yes, and yeah, black trans like culture like talking about reading or shade or things like that. And
1: absolutely the kind yeah, of
0: po- poaching of the culture. But but not wanting to see the people who actually create the culture in the forefront, that's right? That's
1: it. That's that's exactly that's it. That's exactly what it is. And yeah, and Pose showed that, you know what I mean? Um, it, it was accurate depiction yes. of where all those terms and when came Madonna from.
0: came in and did right, was the name of her song Vogue. It was Vogue. not Pose. It was, it called was Vogue. Vogue, yeah. Yep. And then and then it became mainstream, right? Exactly. And it but they were Vogue
1: forever. They yeah, were voting forever. I can't remember the gentleman that she worked with. He was a gay man. It was like Benny something. I,
0: I think I wonder if the Paris is burning film actually has him in it. I I'm, I wonder if that's the same man because there was a I man.
1: Does I think yeah. it? I think he is. In I can't that. remember yeah. his
0: name, but I know you It's, you're it's Benny about.
1: something. It's gonna kill me, but uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah,
0: and we hear Madonna, but we don't hear really. I mean, we don't. We can't remember his name. <laughs> we don't hear him, right? Um, I'm really, I, I would like to uh, close the show just thinking about how people can get in touch with you and like learn about your projects and more about TAG and any way we can support your endeavors to continue this visibility of queer women, of queer women of color, you know, and as you say in TAG, everyone under the rainbow, which I like Right, everyone under the rainbow, you also, we didn't talk a lot about it, but one of the reasons why you started TAG is you didn't see enough trans representation within the queer community, which uh, was another part that I really loved about that. Uh, the protest show, Pride and Protest, is, you know, trans people of color were at the forefront of that show.
1: Yeah, as, as they should. They're They're the reason that, you know, pride even happened yes. uh, was because of, was because of them. Um, you had said something. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that's really important to me in making sure we tell those stories and interact with those individuals. Um, for sure. I think I'm trying to think if you thought of, Oh, recently, actually today, I got um, an email from somebody, you know, of course, as you can imagine, oh, we get press releases or people want us to cover something. Sure. And someone came out with um, like a, a trans encyclopedia, like a first oh. of its kind. Uh, and you can see it digitally. Oh. And the and I saw it and I kind of started going through it. Obviously, there's no way I could go through the whole thing. Sure. It's an like, encyclopedia. And a hardcover. It's like 400. Bucks. Oh, my
0: goodness. Wow. I was like,
1: wow. Okay. <laughs>
0: That's great, though but, I hadn't um, heard
1: of this. It is, and I emailed them because I didn't see it. Maybe I just uh, yeah, I, I you know it was a lot, but the one literally I wrote back and said, "Is there anything on trans women of color in this?" Sure, and um, because I didn't see it. That's unfortunate. Uh, but again, here's the thing: I didn't see everything. Yeah, but it was interesting, and you know things from um. Uh, trans men who breastfeed and things like that. Okay. And I'm like, that's fantastic. But trans women of color are at the forefront, right? They're being assaulted and murdered at alarming rates. Where is that in this encyclopedia? Where is it? And so literally today, not too long ago or not, I mean not too yeah, long ago before I hopped on this with you, uh literally sent that email. Like that's I will great. Not I'm so cover glad you it. I will not going cover it. I'm not going to cover it. Yeah. If it, it doesn't have I'm... that in it.
0: It's really strange. I, uh, I was actually just doing an allyship training recently, and I had brought in Patrice M. Palmer's voice. I don't know if you know them. Uh, they, uh, they're a DEI speaker and very public, and they had done a TED Talk. And they had ta- the name of the TED Talk was, Are You a Man or Are You a Woman, dot, 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 uh, no, I'm Black and, and it's a, I'll have to send it to you because I think you'd really love it. It's probably one of the best TED Talks I've ever heard, if not the best. Yeah, they, absolutely. They, they talk about how, um, people trying to figure out what their gender is to, so that they can give, know how much space to give them in a public space, right? And then when they're in a, in a space that is kind of predominantly black space, they feel like they can't represent themselves as queer because it would kind of uh, disrupt what is happening there. And then same, right, in an LGBT space, they feel like they can't show up truly as themselves as like a black queer person because they don't wanna disrupt that space, right? And so the idea that, th- that this is a resource, a reference for trans people should definitely be intersectional. And it's if that did happen, it's unfortunate if they took that route of
1: compartmentalizing Right. I mean, it didn't look like it was anything close to it, Uh, but we'll see. I will keep you posted. Yeah, let me know
0: because I would like that resource. Hopefully, it's represented well. Uh, We'll see.
1: Um, Yeah, I I hope so too. But uh, you asked me, I feel like we could clearly talk forever, but you asked me about people keeping in touch and thank you for that and supporting. I appreciate that. Um, You know, I have a website that probably needs to be updated a little bit, but uh, it's Mm -hmm. ebonybell.com. And then of course, if people are interested in the magazine, you can go to tag magazine. It's T-A-G-G magazine.com. Um, there, you know, if you want to support, we do have a support page that people can support us in all different ways. You can uh, buy merch. Uh, you can get a subscription, 30 bucks for the year and yeah. get us delivered to totally you. Totally
0: reasonable. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely reasonable. We, and those are the type of things that we keep in mind. You know what I mean? We want to be accessible to everyone. It's the reason we don't charge when we do celebrity interviews. Like it's it's silly, right? everyone should have access to this. Um, and then of course people can just do a general, you know, monetary donation and you can find our scholarship fund through there. If you want to donate to that as well. Um, you know, even we even have an Amazon link. So if you bought something on Amazon through our link, we get a percentage. So there's various ways that people can support like us on social media. Uh, that's always a great thing too. Uh, so anything Uh, you do to just keep in touch with us, connect with TAG is always appreciated and allows us to continue to grow and thrive. And And even
0: just go and check out the online publication, right? And just, just, yeah, just see it, right? Read the articles, see what TAG is doing, see the representation that you're not going to see anywhere else could be a good starting point. And then most definitely all the other things you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And and
1: everything's right there on the site. Everything is right there on the site tagmagazine.com. So yeah, start there, you know, bare minimum. Um, But you know, anyone who wants to connect, please reach out to me. Um, I I'd love to talk to you, hear from you if you have any questions Um, and yeah, just stay connected. And I, I appreciate you, my friend, uh, having this conversation and all that you do. Thank you so
0: so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for, Kind of planting the seed that made all of this happen. I really, I really, really appreciate that. So we'll close. Uh, Oh, the last thing I want to say is please subscribe to the Intersection Diverse Folks Converse. If you subscribe to our YouTube page, we have an anchor page, and we're actually coming out with a new YouTube page that will be just the Intersection Diverse Folks Converse. Right now, oh, I'm there. Dr. Shannon Learners, And we all we are starting a partnership with wholehearted.org. And so uh, they are a mental health and wellness uh, platform for different thought leaders. And I'm going to be joining them, uh, at least on their website right now. And the intersection is on there as well. And so thank you so much, Ebony Bell. Uh, speaker, trailblazer, editor of chief of TAG Magazine, and this has been Episode Twelve: Decentering Black Queer Self-Censorship, Censorship in the Face of Public Shaming, Racial Profiling, and Violence within Queer Women of With Queer Women of Color, Media and Programs. Thank you so much again for being on our show. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. We've just finished an episode of the Intersection Diverse Folks Converse podcast. I'm so happy that you decided to join us and you finished the whole podcast to hear all about the stories and lives and the experiences of our guests. I would like to just offer you right now an opportunity to continue to listen to us. You can always find us here at Anchor under the intersection, colon, Diverse Folks Converse, folks, F-O-L-X, or you can find us on YouTube under Dr. Shannon Wong Learner L-E-R-N-E-R, YouTube channel. We also have a Facebook page, also under the intersection, Diverse Folks Converse, that you're welcome to join to find out all about upcoming episodes and guests. Thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.